one of the things that I, I love to do, I like to laugh. Anybody here besides me like to laugh? You know, it's kind of like a medicine. And in today's society, you need to find something to help you laugh, all right? And uh, we've been showing you funny church signs, and I'm going to go a different direction today. I went old school. And how many grew up in church where they had bulletins? You know, we give you notes, all right? But remember the bulletins where they had all the, we have them on video now, technology, but remember when all the announcements were written in the bulletin? All right? Well, I went and found some. Watch this. All right? This was in the bulletin. Pastor Smith will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, break forth with joy. <laughs> Glad he's leaving. Yeah. All right? Next Sunday, Miss Vincent will be our special soloist. Pastor John will then follow with a message. It was a horrible experience. <laughs> Whoa, would you like to be singing that Sunday? All right. Their church choir director invites any members who enjoy sinning to come out tonight to join the choir. Uh, that really needed to be a G right there. You need to prep your stuff. You need to check it out and have somebody else. That was the largest crowd they ever had at choir rehearsal that night, I can tell you. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to go to any of those. All right. I'm glad I'm here today. How about you? All right. Y'all ready for the word? All right, man. Get your Bible. I, I met one of our new families. I told my son, I'm blown away by folks and how God's changing people's lives. But that's our logo up there, you know, the heart and the cross. And I was in the store the other day, and this couple, they're in here right now. And they went up and go, we love the church. We love the church. God's transforming our lives. And da, da, da. He said, we love it so much, I got the logo on my thigh. It's tattooed on permanently. I love it too, but not that much. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm glad you love it that much, man. I may give me one. No, I'm just, okay. No, you get old, fat, and gray. You forget that stuff, all right? But hey, let's go to the Word. Exodus, go with me. Get your notes out. Let's ride. We're in the middle of a series that's called Change. How many's glad God offers change? Come on, folks. How many's glad God's changing your life? Amen? And we may not be where we want to be yet, but boy, we're being changed, aren't we? And, and so this series is about change. And we're going to the four promises that God made to, to Moses in Egypt. And, and so the, the Israelites are in Egypt. They've been held captive for 400 years in slavery. Pharaoh's had them under bondage. And God's about to deliver them. And he tells Moses, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've seen their suffering. And I want you to go tell them I'm making four promises to them and four things that I'm going to do. And I'm in covenant with them. And here they are, and they're for us today. How many's glad they're for us today also, amen? And here they are. He said, therefore, Moses, go say to the Israelites, go tell my people that I am the Lord, and number one, I will bring you out. And we've talked about this in detail. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna bring salvation. I'm gonna bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then promise number two is I will free you from being slaves to them. I'm, I'm gonna deliver you. And we talked about that in detail last Sunday. And then he comes in and he says, and we're gonna talk about this today, I will redeem you. How am I gonna do that? With an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We're gonna share that in detail today. And then he said, promise number four is I will take you as my own people and I'm gonna be your God. Four promises that are the foundation of this church that we build everything we do in this church on these four promises, and that is salvation, deliverance, redemption, and fulfillment. And, and let's look at those in detail. Get your notes out. And he says the first promise is this, is the promise of salvation. And what is that? Sanctification. What does that mean? I've set you apart. And here's what I want you to understand today, that in this Passover Seder, 
In every other instance, when the, when the people gathered together to take communion, they had one cup, and they would just wipe it off and pass it around and pass it around. But in this celebration of the Passover, the priest had four cups. He didn't use one. And every time he would represent a promise, he would drink from a different cup. And there was a specific reason behind that is that God did not want the Israelites to mingle the promises. He wanted them to understand their, their individual identity and purpose because if not, they would mix salvation with deliverance and start thinking that they had to earn salvation. You with me? And so he separated the four so we could see how they worked individually and we don't mingle them. And so the first one, he comes in and says, I promise you salvation. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to set you apart. And salvation is 100% God's part. All we do is believe. Amen. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And that's all we do in salvation. Jesus did it all on Calvary. And he wants you to know that, so he separated deliverance as a totally different promise because too many never get past this next promise, which is deliverance. And he said, first, I'm gonna set you apart. How many is thankful God set you apart? All you did is call on him, I need you, I'm saved. I believe in you, I believe in my heart, you raised from the dead, I'm saved. And so salvation is a promise that God gives us. Then he says, I'm gonna deliver you. I brought you out of Egypt, now let's get Egypt out of you. And he says, I'm gonna deliver you. Now go work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's part of our part that we go work it out. And we begin to let God deal with our hearts and we begin to let go of things and God begins to deliver us. And many times we're instantly set free from things and then other things we work out throughout our time. And God says, but I want you to understand deliverance has nothing to do with salvation. And this is why 87% of Christians never get out of the deliverance process and enter their redemptive work of Christ is they feel like they're still supposed to earn part of their salvation. And so we never feel good enough to move into God's redemptive plan for our life. God wants you to separate the two and know you're saved today by the work of Jesus on the cross. It has nothing to do with you. Start working out your, your deliverance, working out your salvation in deliverance, and now start moving into your redemptive plan for God for your life. And that's promise number three, and that's redemption, and that's restoration. And we're going to talk about that today, that God wants to bring you back to his original intent for your life. And then that will move us into next Sunday, and that's promise number four, the promise of fulfillment, and that's the promise of praise. Because how many knows once you understand your salvation and you're walking in your deliverance and you've moved into your redemptive plan for God, there's some praise going on in your world. Amen? Amen? And so very quickly, I've just revisited that, but let's get to today because no greater thrill for a pastor, and, and, and it's my joy, and I was referring to this one brother just a moment ago, to the greatest feeling a pastor can experience is to watch someone come to God and watch them walk through the four steps of the process, to, to come and understand that I've been set apart by God, I don't have to earn this, and, and begin to work out their salvation with fear and trembling and watch God begin to change that life, and, and then to see them move into their true redemptive work of God and, and begin to realize why they're on this earth and begin to walk it out, man, and fulfill God's plan. No greater experience a pastor can have than that. And we're getting to watch God do that in this church every week. It's amazing. And so let's go now to the promise of redemption. So I'm going to go to Mr. Webster. We're not even going to deal with the Greek or the Hebrew today. Let's just go to Webster. And here's what the word redemption means, or redeem. It means to buy back or to repurchase. 
not to purchase, but to repurchase. That when God redeems you and takes you back to your original intent, he is repurchasing us. He's buying us back, which means he once had ownership, but somewhere we got lost in the journey, and now he's redeeming, he's buying us back. How many's glad he paid the price on Calvary to buy you back, amen? And, and then it means to change for the better. It means to reform. And can I just say too many have set their goals way too low. A good day to most today is hoping that it's not a bad day. We've, we've kind of lived our life by the stock market. If I didn't lose anything, that's a good day. Come on, right? That's the mentality of the financial industry for years is, did you make anything? It don't matter as long as I didn't lose anything. And can I tell you, that's the spiritual condition of most people in the church today. It's not that I'm trying to progress. I just don't want to go anywhere. And you got to start looking deeper than that if you're going to find God's redemptive plan for your life. And, and then it means to repair or to restore and I'm not a big TV guy, I'm not anti-TV, I just don't like to watch a lot of it, but yesterday evening I turned it on, I was at home, nobody was there, and I turned it on in that program, uh, Barrett Jackson, the car thing. They had some expensive cars on that thing, man. And, uh, but they were rolling these cars across last night, you know, like a 1967 Chevy Corvette, you know, type, and they were telling how this car was in an accident and got all, almost destroyed, and they refixed it and they restored it. And, and in its original condition, when it sold, it was like $15,000. It sold for like 230000 last night because in its restoration, it became more valuable than it was in its original place. And can I tell you, when God gets through restoring you into your redemptive purpose, you become more valuable than you were in your original place. Oh, I need a better amen than that. Come on, folks. And, and so God is saying he wants to bring you into this place of redemption. He wants to bring you back to your original intent, but with more value and purpose because how many's learned something in life? And when we learn stuff in life and we go back to God's original intent, we're more valuable. We're worth more. And so let's look at two reasons why the majority of Christians never experience the promise of redemption. 87% of Christians stay stuck in the delivering process, 87% of the church never enters God's redemptive plan for their life. They're saved because, remember, promise one's on its own. It's separate. So they're saved, but they spend their whole Christian life struggling with their old nature. And they never move into God's redemptive plan for their life. But how many is ready to move out today into a new home? Amen? And so here's two reasons. Exodus 6, 6, let's read it again. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. That's one way I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to redeem you with mighty acts of judgment. And so what does Jesus say? Again, remember, redeem means I'm going to take you back, not to where you were before you messed up but I wanna take you back to where you were in the womb of your mother when I created you, and I wanna take you back to my original intent and purpose for your life, and let's start all over again. And let, how many's got some stuff between you and there? Hurt, pain, offense, failure, disappointment. And God says, when I take you back and redeem you, we're gonna bypass all of that stuff, we're gonna start over again. Anybody ready to start over and not have to deal with all that dysfunctional mess that you had to work through? And so God says to do that, I've got to do it with an outstretched arm. And what does that mean? And when you go and, and study that out, it, it really comes from this, is that God is saying, because you see yourself lower than he does, 
You see, you see yourself way down here when you're, when you're down and you're not moving forward. You see yourself way down here because you see yourself as useless and worthless and hopeless and all of that. And when God looks upon you, he doesn't see you in your sin and failure. He sees you in the righteousness of his son because you've already been set apart. And because you see, everybody look at me because you got to get this, why an outstretched arm? Because God has to reach down to where you feel you are. God has to reach down to where you see you are as and, and how you see yourself. So with an outstretched arm, the psalmist put it like this. He reached down and picked me up out of a miry pit. He, he went way down into the pit and picked me up. And God says, I'm going to deliver you. How am I going to do it? With an outstretched arm that no matter how low you go, no matter how bad you get, no matter how deep in stuff you find yourself, I've got an outstretched arm and I'm going to reach out with an outstretched arm and I'm going to go into the miry pit of this world and I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to start a redemptive work in your life. So I got a plan for you. So let's look at this because that brings number one, the first reason that people don't move into the redemptive work of God is inferiority. Inferiority. We don't see ourselves in the greatness that God sees us. We see our wickedness and our weakness while God sees the righteousness of his son in us. We see a problem when God sees a potential. I said, we see the problem when God sees the potential. Psalm 18, 35, I love this. Here's, Here's what the psalmist said. He said, you stoop down to make me great. You reached out with an outstretched arm and you stooped down so that you could pick me up and make me great. You see, God sees the greatness in you that you don't see in yourself. Can I just say something honest today? Because I'm kind of passive up here, you know. (laughs) Too many of you are living at the mercy of what others think about you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say that again. Too many of you are living at the mercy of what other people think about you rather than how Jesus sees you. You can never enter your future while you're still living in your past. And so Satan, he comes with this thing called condemnation. Anybody had to deal with some of that? He comes with this thing called condemnation. You know what condemnation is? Is that your life's a mess and nothing's ever going to change about it. You're never coming out. Jesus deals with conviction. You know what that is? Your life's a mess and we're going to get out. And Satan wants to keep you there in that mess, feeling condemned and messed up your whole life, never feeling good enough, always trying to earn, trying to deliver yourself and feeling that you're not saved because you didn't separate the promises. And so you spend your whole Christian life trying to work on your salvation rather than your deliverance. And if you're working on your salvation, you can never enter your redemptive plan for God because you never feel good enough to be there. But if I'm working out my deliverance, I'm working it out for a reason, I'm changing houses and I'm moving into my redemptive plan. Come on, is this making sense to you? And so God wants you to separate it. Look in Ephesians 2, 10. It says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm a masterpiece, man. And don't give me that smirk when I tell you that. Come on. (laughs) I'm a masterpiece. You gotta start looking in the mirror and telling yourself that. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us what? 
a new, brand new. He that becomes a Christian is brand new on the inside. A new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. What? He planned for us. His original intent. And he's saying we're a masterpiece that God is working on. And he's bringing us back into a brand new position that we now begin to walk out what he planned for us way back then. That's worth coming to church for right there. And so what is it? Promise, this leads us, when we grab this, it moves us into that promise of fulfillment. You'll never understand fulfillment until you begin to walk in your redemptive plan. And so the first thing is this thing of, of, of God saying, with an outstretched arm, I'm gonna redeem you. And then he says, I'm gonna redeem you with mighty acts of judgment. And these are reserved for the enemy of your soul, the devil. And, and the reason of that, when he says, I'm gonna deliver you with an outstretched arm, I'm gonna reach you no matter where you are, I'm gonna reach down and pick you up. But then I'm gonna perform these mighty acts of judgment that I'm gonna deliver you from and with because the enemy has put a settled plan in your life to, to distract you from God's purpose and his plan for you. You see, the devil has a plan of attack against your life. And the reason 87% of Christians never enter the promise of redemption in their life is that the enemy offered them another plan and they took it. It looked better over there. It looked easier over there. It looked like an easier route to go. It's an attack of the enemy. It's a deceptive plan of the enemy to distract you from fulfilling God's ultimate purpose. And many people in the church today are as lost as a sinner outside. They're just not going to hell. They're saved by the grace of Jesus, but they're lost. They don't know where they're going. Why am I here? What am I doing? Because Satan threw a distraction in front of them and they took it. And they're on a road going nowhere. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And it's the second reason that people miss redemption is a word called diversion. That the enemy wants to divert you. Part of the journey, what, what is that? That the enemy wants to get you on part of a journey that God had no plan for your life. He wants to get you distracted by getting you on a journey that wasn't planned by God. Diversion takes place in both good and bad things. Sometimes the unexpected tragedy in our life or the crisis in our life that comes and it takes our attention off of God. And sometimes it even makes us question the sovereignty of the purpose of God in our life that, that why are you letting this happen to me? And, and, and it's a diversion that the enemy wants to bring through a crisis in our life that gets us off of our redemptive plan and gets us focused on us instead of God's purpose for us. Am I still preaching to the right church? And, and what is it? It's a plan of diversion that the enemy wants to divert your attention onto you and the pain you're going through rather than what's God's purpose in your life. Because if he can get me thinking on my heartache, I miss him and I miss his purpose. And so it's a spirit of diversion and it causes Christians to stay stuck. They stay stuck. There's an amazing gift inside of you. There's an amazing calling of God inside of you. There's an amazing purpose and destiny inside of you. But the enemy wants to get you stuck in promise number two and never get out of that deliverance process because he knows your effectiveness only comes when you move into the redemptive promise. And it's there we become successful in affecting the world and touching the world for Jesus. And so let's look at this for a second. You see 1 Thessalonians, read, let's read there. Paul said, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, I tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. 
And, and the word there, prevent, in the Greek, you know what it means? It means to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. And I went and studied it out a little bit deeper, and it literally means this, to dig a ditch across the road. And what Paul said was, we were trying to get to you. We were trying to get there, but Satan prevented. He impeded. He, he dug a ditch across our road that we had to go around. He, he caused this distraction to prevent me from getting to you. And can I tell you, that's what the enemy wants to do in your life today. He wants to dig a ditch in your road that prevents you from moving into God's redemptive plan for your life. Because you're no threat to the enemy if you're only in your deliverance process and never operating in the redemptive plan. You're not connected with your purpose. And God wants to connect you with your purpose. And so the enemy over here is putting these ditches in your road. A bad marriage experience, a, a family crisis, a, a health issue, a financial bomb hiss. I mean, anything he can do that digs a ditch that diverts me from moving into God's redemptive plan for my life. He's an expert at it and you've got out of identify those and not fall in the ditch. That's good teaching. If I'm, I'm gonna get saved today before it's over. I'm just telling you, all right? Romans 8, 28 says, for we know that all things, that God causes all things to work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose in them. It's not always easy. It's not always fair, but you gotta identify those times that the enemy's trying to divert you from God's plan. Identify those. Don't agree with them. Don't flow with them. They're, they're trapped to set you up to miss the plan of God. And sometimes it's a crisis. Sometimes it's good things. I mean, I know people right now that six figure, some, I, I don't know people, but there's people seven figure and, and they're out there and they got all the money in the world and they're miserable. They're miserable because the blessing become their curse and it diverted them from God's intent and his purpose in their life. You got to understand that. that let me ask you a question. Because you see, no matter where you are in life right now, God can turn it around. No matter where you are, you may have gone through a horrible divorce. You may have gone through a horrible personal situation. You, you may be so hurt and broke today, you feel like there's no hope for you that you can't start over today. But I wanna tell you something right now. If you don't hear this preacher say another word to you today, it doesn't matter where you are in life right now, God can turn it around and bring you into the very fullness of his purpose, destiny, and plan for your life. Yes, he can. Because let me ask you a question. Can you get to Miami through California? Yes, you can. Now, it's a long way. But you can. It's not the preferred route to go. But how many found yourself in California when you've been supposed to be in Miami and you gave up because it looked impossible to fix? But you can still get there if you start working it out and looking forward to God's redemptive plan in your life. Yeah. Yes, you can. You can get there. And so let's look at this thing called the promise of redemption because redemption, again, means to bring back to God's original intent for our life. Go to Ephesians 1, 3 through 7 in your notes, and let's read it together. And I really want to take you on a quick journey here, and I pray this will help you and bless your heart today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Anybody blessed in here? Amen. He's blessed us just as he chose us. You've been chosen, by the way. 
by God, he chose us in him when? Before the foundation of the world, God knew you were gonna be in Pensacola, Florida, sitting in a church called Transformation Church on a Sunday morning when it was pouring down rain outside and he's speaking to your heart today to get you ready to move into your redemptive plan and to go do something amazing for the kingdom of God. He knew that before he ever even put the world together. He said before the foundation of the world, why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Watch this. Having predestined us to adoption, and by the way, and we looked at this when we were getting ready to adopt Cindy and Tommy legally, in the state of Florida, if you adopt a child, they have more rights than your, your natural children. I can kick Brad and Natalie out of my will. Thought about it a few times, by the way. Um, I can remove them from my will, but do you know that you cannot remove an adopted child out of your will? You can't take them out, it's illegal. Once you adopt them, you can't remove them from anything you own. They have a right to it. Your adopted children have more rights than your natural children. I'm adopted. I'm a Gentile. I've been adopted into the family of God. Come on, you're a Gentile. You've been adopted into the family. We got some rights here this morning. Come on. He says uh, that, that, that we've been adopted according to what? So the adoption, he predestined us to the adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace. And, and so let's look at this now. Look at the rest of it. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand this morning? Don't you appreciate him? And so here, I, I wanna come off of these scriptures and I wanna share something real quick with you and I pray it'll bless you today. Number one, if you're gonna move out of deliverance, and how many is ready? You know, we never get through being delivered. Anybody found that out? Okay, there's a war. Paul said, there's a war going on daily in my flesh. Amen. Come on, anybody besides me still got some flesh involved? Amen. If you're married here and you didn't amen that, she's going to tell you when you get home. I promise you right now, all right? Okay, Drew's got both hands and left foot in the air over there, all right? And, uh, and so, so there's stuff going on. So the deliverance process never ends, and that's why God said you got to separate it. Because if you keep it in the salvation, you'll never feel saved. And if you move it over to the redemption, you'll never go there because you never feel worthy. you got to separate it and then start moving into my redemptive plan for your life. And here's step number one, is you've got to realize that all mankind was born into sin. We're going to go Christianity 101 right now, okay? All mankind was born into sin. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may look in that mirror and go, I find no fault in him. You're just lying to yourself, all right? You're just lying, all right? You know there's some stuff going on that you need Jesus to help you work through, all right? I don't care who we are. Okay, now I know that my wife's got a lot of issues and I don't have any, but, uh, <laughs> ooh, that was wrong. Okay, Drew, where are we going to lunch today, bro? Where are we going to lunch? We've all got some, don't we? Yeah, we do, we do. We've all sinned and we gotta realize today that, that Jesus didn't find you in the Saks Fifth Avenue shelf or on a Macy's. He found us in the pawn shop of life where we were broken, we were torn and we were wrecked and we were dysfunctional and, Jesus walked in that pawn shop one day and said, I want you and you and you and you and you. And, and the owner said, how are you going to pay for all this? And he said, my life. And he bought us back from sin. He repurchased us 
And then number two, we must realize that not only is all men born into sin, but Jesus Christ set us free from the penalty of sin. How many acknowledges you are a sinner when Jesus found you, amen? But how many is thankful today you're not responsible for the penalty of the things that you did? You don't have to pay for that now because Jesus has paid the price. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, let's add the other scripture to it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified. And the word means just as if I had never sinned. All are justified freely by his grace through what? The gift, the promise, the redemptive promise that came by Christ Jesus. That we were born into sin for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But we are now justified. We get to move into our redemptive plan that God has for us just as if we had never sinned. Well, thank you for one praise the Lord in the building. Thank you so much. I'll give you $5 when church is over. I said we get to move. I was kidding on that. We get to move because if you don't get that, you're going to stay in this one promise number two and never enter promise number three. I get to move into that redemptive promise of God because of the grace of Jesus Christ. He redeemed me into that third promise. And I get to begin to walk that out. You see, on New Year's Day, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was publicly stated, but on December the 18th, 1865, the U.S. Constitution made those convictions official. The word swept across Capitol Hill. It came down into the valleys of Virginia. It went to the back roads of the Carolinas, even deeper into the plantations of the South in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Headlines on every newspaper in America Every state, there was massive, bold, black letters that made this statement. Slavery is abolished. And at that declaration, every black man, woman, boy, and girl in America was now declared free and had equal rights of every human being in society. Slavery was over. Another, and thank God for that. Come on, we're a multicultural church, amen. Just stay with me because I'm going somewhere. It happened again, and before that, when Jesus on the cross paid the price for mine and your salvation, when he was slaughtered for our behalf, he paid the price, but on the third day as he promised, he rose again and defeated the grave. And on that day, an emancipation proclamation was trumpeted all over the world. Sin and the penalty of sin is now abolished. That man is no longer held captive to that old slave master of sin. Not only am I saved, promise number one, not only am I being delivered, promise number two, but I get to move into my redemptive plan for my life that I no longer have to be determined the value and the worth and my destination and my future is no longer owned or controlled by another person. I've now been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and he's got purpose and destiny for my life. You see, Jesus did not just free us from sin and some of you need to get this in this building today. It took me a while to get there, but some of us have not just been freed from sin, all of us have been freed from the penalty of our sin. And until you get that, you will live in promise number two the rest of your life. You will never feel good enough to be saved and thus you will never move into God's redemptive plan for your life. 
And that moves us into step number three, and that is redemption. It is the sign of true freedom. Remember I talked about the Emancipation Proclamation declared in 1865? When that happened, and all of those newspapers declared it across America, something happened that few thought they would ever see. And that was this, the majority of the black slaves in America never entered their freedom. They continued to live on just like a slave. They continued to serve an old slave master that owned them and many abused them and they never entered into the freedom that God had given them. A president had been assassinated for the cause. An amendment to the Constitution had now been signed into law. Yet most black men and women continue to live in fear and squalor. Cruel and brutal as many of their owners were, black men and women chose to keep serving the same old master until they died. Their fear of freedom was more powerful than their fear of bondage. Their fear of freedom was more powerful than their fear of slavery. And if you look at it on the spiritual side, in our spiritual slavery where we were enslaved to our sin, a battle had been fought. The Son of God had been crucified and brutally slaughtered. As promised, he rose from the grave on the third day. He has paid the ultimate price to overthrow spiritual slavery once and for all. Yet most Christians who experience salvation live as though nothing ever happened. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his life so that we could be free from sin, free from the penalty of sin. Most Christians have accepted salvation, but they've never experienced the true freedom from their sin. And so they live in promise number two their whole life struggling with themselves rather entering God's redemptive plan and purpose for their life. Are y'all with me today? And so I want us to look at this today because you see the scheme of Satan has not changed from natural slavery because that was demonic what took place in the slavery. It was demonic. And the scheme of Satan has not changed today. You know what it is? Keep them ignorant and keep them in the field. And Satan knew that if he could keep the blacks on those plantations in a mentality of slavery, they would continue to live like a slave, though they were free. And you know what the owners knew? They knew that most of those slaves couldn't read anyway. They knew that they didn't have a TV and a radio to listen to. And if they could keep them ignorant from the truth that there's an emancipation proclamation been declared, they could keep them in slavery, though legally they were free. And can I tell you, Satan's plan has not changed. It's the same today. If he can keep the church ignorant to the truth of God's redemptive plan and provision in your life, you will spend the rest of your life with the mentality of a slave trying to become good enough to be saved rather than move into God's redemptive purpose and plan for your life. That's good teaching. I'm just telling you today. And, and you see, how, how, can you, how do you identify that? And I gotta close here, but let me tell you what I'm saying. And, and I've studied this out because I, I, I'm, I'm a pastor of a multicultural church. I have a multicultural family and I'm a voice for justice and, and against injustice in every way I can. But you go to the correctional institutions of America today and the highest percentage of people you will see in there are black males. And let me tell you why. You go to a correction institute today in America, one out of every 15 blacks are in prison right now, black men. One out of three black men will go to prison in their lifetime. 
It's a fact, all right? Now, let me say this to you. You cannot honestly look at that and go, it's all, it's all because they're guilty. Now, if you go study it, and I have, the number one discrimination against blacks in America is the judicial system. A black man will spend five times more time in prison for the same charge than any other race will. It's a fact. It's an injustice, and it's wrong. But here's the only reason I bring this up is to show this to you. If you go to the families of those black men and women that are incarcerated today, I promise you that here's one thing you will find in 99 or 100% of the situations. If you go back there to their lineage, you will find an ancestry that never embraced the freedom that had been provided. They never embraced the freedom. They stayed in a slavery mentality. They never grasped it. They never understood it. They never got it. And so unfortunately, they stayed in this mindset that I have to be dependent. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And they stayed beat down. And it went from one generation to the other. But if you look around this room right now and in all three of our services, I'm gonna look at a James Hodge and a Jonathan. I'm gonna look at a Drew and a Crystal Water. I'm gonna look across here at black families in this church that are prominent people in society. They're, they're business people that are extremely successful. They're pioneers for something in society today. I can promise you this. If you look through their lineage, you will find an ancestry that got it. You'll find a grandmother or a great-grandfather or somebody in that lineage that said, you know what, nobody owns me anymore. Nobody, I belong to nobody but me and Jesus now. And he's got purpose and he's got destiny for me. And, and he's got a plan for my life. And they passed it and they moved it down. And that's why these folks, our friends, our family, are successful today in society because they've connected with their redemption because they got out of the feeling that I gotta pay for something that's not mine to pay for. Am I, am I making sense to you? And, and, and God bless our families today. Come on, can we give a hand? Because it's been a hard journey for some folks. Can I tell you today? It's the same way in the spirit. God's wanting you to break that curse, that generational curse that's been on your family lineage and move into God's plan and purpose for your life and start fulfilling his redemptive work. Look in Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Free, come on, say free. free. The law of the spirit of life in Christ. Anybody got life in Christ here today? Amen. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty where Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And here's your last scripture today before we close in Ezekiel. He says, here's what I wanna do. How many is ready to move in God's redemptive work for your life? Has everybody got the message today? Is it making sense? You getting it? That God separated the promises on purpose so you wouldn't mingle them. So get, separate them, quit mingling them. You don't have to deal with your salvation anymore if you've accepted Jesus, you're saved. Start working out your salvation with fear and trembling and quit trying to mix it over here with your salvation. You don't have to get good enough to have this anymore because that's already yours. Start walking in this and start getting ready to move into a new house, a place of God's redemptive plan for your life to start fulfilling his purpose and walking in the fullness next Sunday of God's plan for your life. That's God's ultimate desire for you. Here it is. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away that stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. What's he saying there? Let's start over. Let's start over. Anybody ready to start over 
and let God now take you from salvation, keep walking you through your deliverance, and now you start seeing yourself as he sees you and start enjoying his redemptive plan for your life. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand clap today? Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Bow your heads with me, if you will, and across this room right now. If you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm here today and I just wanna say I, I, I'm here. Somebody brought me or someone invited me and, and I just wanna say I, I, I'm not a bad person, but I know today that I need to make a decision and I need Jesus in my life today and I want you to pray for me. Pray for me today. I, I'm, I just really wanna make that decision today. I'm ready for that salvation, promise number one. I, I need that change in my life. Pray for me. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up wherever you sit? I'm not going to point you out. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you raise it. I, I just want to pray a prayer for you. God bless you. I'm ready. I'm ready for point one. I'm ready for promise one. I, I just want him to set me apart today. And I, I just want him to know I believe in him and I'm ready to make a change in my life. Pray for me. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand or you're online and you need Jesus today in your life. Pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you and confess with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. Promise number one, I've been set apart in Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you join me and let's give a hand clap to these that have prayed today. God bless you.